logical versus illogical thinking in the church, in Christianity. Now, I know, I know, I know you have a story about someone claiming to be a Christian and they were incredibly illogical in their thinking. Or somebody who claimed Christ, but it seems like they couldn't make a valid argument for why they believed what they believe. And I know exactly what you're thinking right now. Oh my, what happened to your eye? (laughs) Well, I'm going to tell you about that in just a second. But if we're going to be who God has called us to be, Christians, followers of Christ, then we need to think God's thoughts. We need to discipline our thought life. Our, Our thinking needs to be conformed to Christ's thinking. And that's what the Creation Today show is actually all about. We want to help others see as God sees so that we will be able to better do what God does. It is said that logic is a reflection of the way God thinks. I can't think of a better person to help us in this area of logical versus illogical thinking in the church than my friend, the author of so many amazing books like Taking Back Astronomy, Keeping Faith in an Age of Reason, uh, The Physics of Einstein, Understanding Genesis, you got to get that one, Discerning Truth, one of my favorites, The Ultimate Proof of Creation, and several others, along with the book that we are discussing today, Introduction to Logic. Ladies and gentlemen, it is the one and only Dr. Jason Lyle. Dr. Lyle, welcome back to the Creation Today Show. Thanks. Thanks to be back with you. Well, I'm not going to ask you on air where all you have seen that I am wrong in my thinking because I don't want to be too embarrassed right now, but can can it be frustrating to understand logic so well that you see logical fallacies and issues in so many places, especially in the church? Uh, Yeah, yeah, it can be. In fact, I've I've actually been teaching a a Sunday school series of Sunday school classes on logic. And just a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned to the class, I said, and, you know, as we cover these fallacies, um, you know, pretty soon you're going to start seeing them everywhere, and then you're going to be as frustrated and miserable as I am. All the time. <laughs> so you're welcome. <laughs> exactly. It's it's well, and that's why I wanted to have this conversation because as Christians, we all call we are called to a higher standard to truly think the way God thinks. Um, hey, if you're joining us on Facebook uh, or our YouTube channel, or you're listening to the podcast or watching us on the t- uh, Creation Today show on television, I just want to say thank you for for peeking into this Creation Today community uh, and just having this co- enjoying this conversation that we get to have. We're just a group of people that um, are being discipled through weekly conversations so that we can be all that God has called us to be. And if you ever want to join our community, just come on over to creationtoday.org. To all of our partners, I see you guys on here. Awesome to have you guys on here. Diane, hey, thank you for joining me. PK, thanks for being here. I appreciate it. If you guys have questions uh, for, for our partners, we let them ask questions to the guests. If you guys have questions, throw those in. I can't wait to uh, to send those to, to Dr. Lyle. Um, 
Dr. Lyle, I think a lot of people might be thinking, oh, great. If you're talking about logic, I might as well take a sleeping or this is just as good as a sleeping pill. Maybe that's what they're thinking. But even Elon Musk just tweeted out recently, a couple days ago, he said everybody should be studying logic. I mean, this is so important. He even tweeted out the little uh, infographic of the 50 uh, cognitive biases and the problems in the way people think today. Doc, why, why, do you, why would you say logic is so important? It's correct reasoning. And I mean, that's what logic is. It's using your brain properly. And what could be more important than using your brain properly? I mean, that that applies to every aspect of life. It, it applies to where you'll spend eternity, because if you're if you reject Christ because you're reasoning improperly, you've been fooled by these arguments that, you know, well, you can't trust the Bible because of X, Y and Z. And those are fallacies. And you get fooled by those that affects eternity. So <laughs> nothing could be more important than using your brain rightly. It, it applies to every aspect of your life where you use your brain, which is pretty much all of them. And uh, again, it has eternal implications. It affects your theology when you're reading the scriptures. Are you reasoning rightly from the scriptures? We're supposed to, we're supposed to do that. We're supposed to look at the scriptures and draw conclusions based on what the text says. We're supposed to piece it together. Uh, God doesn't spell out every conclusion because he expects us to use our brain, but we have to do it properly. And sadly, that's something that is not taught in almost any public school anymore. Wow. Uh, it was in the past. It's not anymore. And we now have a society where most people really don't know how to reason properly. And by the way, they all think they do. All, all, all people think that they <laughs> know how to reason properly. And the vast majority of them have never had a class in logic. And they, and they commit fallacies left and right. Well, we have all seen those videos of people giving their opinion, spouting off with great fervor why such and such is such and such. And we can see the uh, the ignorance in their thinking, and they they are yet portraying this ignorance as though, you know, with pride as though they've got it right. Um, I, I just want to say thank you. You have not only discipline your mind, but you're helping. God is using you to help many others. Uh, your your curriculum through Master Books, uh, Introduction to Logic, really is fantastic. And I we just had uh, Randy Pratt on to talk about education. And I saw you recently wrote a couple blogs about education that are absolutely amazing. You guys got to go to his website, biblicalscienceinstitute.com. Is it com or org? Wow. Com. BiblicalScienceInstitute.com. You got to go check out his website because so many great articles on there. You're trying to help people think reason, uh, reasonably and the way God thinks. Uh, I actually want to give away a portion of your book totally free to everybody. Anybody can get a portion of this book. This giveaway is sponsored by Master Books, a proud supporter of the Creation Today show. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I just made that up. I, I don't know if they're proud or not. Uh, but you can get a little bit of this book uh, by going to the Creation Store, creationstore.org, and just search the word logic. Just go to creationstore.org, search the word logic. This is one of Master Books' uh, homes, or part of Master Books' home books is, I don't know if that's logical, uh, homeschooling curriculum. And I'm telling you, whether you homeschool or not, this right here is what you should get for your students, for your kids. This is a great, I would say probably middle school to high school, they'll certainly understand more. But even in middle school, they need to start getting this, don't they? Absolutely. Yeah. And I, and I had that kind of age group in mind, middle school to high school. That's the age range I had in mind when I wrote the book. But um, at the same time, I'm hoping a lot of adults will pick it up and read yes. it because most adults have never been trained in logic. And so it's 
I, I try to write to as broad of an audience as possible, but I think that middle school students could understand it, uh, high school, college, adult. Well, I'm going to recommend everybody get it. So if you don't just want the free portion, you can go to creationstore.org, search Logic to get that. If you want the whole book, that is at Master Books. Uh, well, you have this. No, Dr. Lyle has this. I don't have it on my website. Dr. Lyle, you got this on your website along with your other books. Matter of fact, Kent, throw that graphic. You got an entire collection. You can get every single one of your books, which I think is is absolutely vital. I've, I've loved going through these books. I'll never forget years ago when you wrote The Ultimate Proof of Creation, and I read it, and I'm like, I'm like, this is amazing. It was just so, so well done. So I uh, really recommend you guys get his entire book collection. It's available at biblicalscienceinstitute.com. So you guys got to grab that. Okay, Doc, I got a story to start you off, and it has to do with how I got my black eye. I don't know if it comes across on camera. I, I was debating putting makeup on it or not, but this just happened a couple days ago. Uh, my family and I are remodeling a house together, and we are having a great time. Well, I'm having a great time. Some of them, not necessarily. I love it. I don't know if they love remodeling houses with me, but um, I, I'm I'm watching the guy put up our sheetrock uh, two days ago. His name is Jeffrey, Christian guy, really cool. And uh, I'm pulling nails out of a two by four to add a little uh, little filler where he can he can make sure and do his sheetrock. And as I'm pulling nails out, I'm thinking in my mind, I I wonder if I wonder if Jeffrey would be willing to bless me and give me a little bit of a cheaper rate on, you know, on hanging this sheetrock and just, you know, kind of get a good deal. And as that thought is going through my mind, I go to pull out a nail out of a two by four. The end of the two by four comes up, wham, and just nails me right in the eye. And I just, I mean, I'm just in tremendous pain and I'm just going, oh my goodness, that hurts so bad. That That's going to leave a mark, you know? Um, and uh, not here, not here, but right here, if you know what I'm talking about, right there. And, um, uh, and instantly, what went through my mind was, I'm sorry, God. I shouldn't be thinking of how Jeffrey can bless me. I should be thinking of how I can bless Jeffrey. And I was like, I know that's not, that's, what do you call that? What kind of logic is that when we, we, we kind of think that what just happened, that was God speaking to me saying that I shouldn't be thinking that? That's, it's like an informal logic. It's like yeah, a it's, fallacy, it's, right? Yeah, it's the fallacy of false cause. And the, <laughs> the particular version is called the post hoc ergo propter hoc. After Hang on, say that again. It's the what? It's, it's po post hoc ergo propter hoc. Um, that there's there's sort of two subversions of the fallacy of false cause. And when one thing happens right after another, a lot of people assume that the the thing that the, that the second thing happened because of the first thing. And although that can be the case, it doesn't have to be the case. And so in, in, in your example, uh, there's, there's no reason to think that um, your thoughts were the cause of your accident, although being distracted probably was the cause of your accident. <laughs> it was indeed. <laughs> well, that, that kind of fallacy though, I think that abounds in Christianity and in the church, and it's got to be really frustrating. Okay, let me give you okay the the, the story that came out uh, last month. Uh, the, the the female comedian on stage making fun of Jesus Christ, then has this like all of a sudden spazoid moment, falls down, hits her head, gets a fractures her skull from what I understand, gets a concussion, and people go, oh. God did that to you because you were making fun of Jesus. You made fun of Jesus. Next second, you're on the ground. So I listen to that and I, I, it makes a really good, ooh, yeah, but is that logical? 
Not necessarily. And, and granted, God can strike people down. There's no doubt about that. But there's a lot of people that he hasn't struck down that have committed worse crimes. So just keep in mind, God's very patient and the, the ultimate justice will happen on, on judgment day. So keep that in mind. Uh, so it's, it's not necessarily uh, God causing that to happen. It can be, but you can't prove that. You, I mean, unless God told you that's what he did, uh, you, you, there's no way to establish that. So that is, it is an error in reasoning. It's a, it's a post hoc ergo proper hoc fallacy. And, uh, and, it is, and it's a common fallacy. Uh, any superstition, superstitions are post hoc ergo proper hoc, every one of them. And, Black cat walking yeah. under a ladder. Yep. Now that, see that, that can't logically cause you to have bad luck. There's no logical connection there. And so something bad happens to you later that day and you say, oh, it's because that black cat or because I walked under a ladder or spilled salt or broke a mirror, or whatever. No, it's, it, it just, it would have happened anyway. And, uh, and, and you can't associate one with the other. That's, that, that is a error in reasoning. It's all superstitions are errors in reasoning. And so when some people kind of wear that as a badge, you're like, oh, you know, I'm superstitious. Translation, oh, I don't understand correct reasoning. Uh, that's not something, that, <laughs> that's not something to be proud of, okay? Super, and the Bible is against superstition. It talks about we're not, you know, the pagan nations. They look to the heavens to, you know, to, to uh, direct their lives. And God says, no, don't do that. Don't, don't be that way. All right, so I'm curious, how many of you on Facebook or YouTube or those of us that are like the, the, the partners of creation today, I'm watching the comments right now. How many of you, make a comment, have you ever avoided going a direction after a black cat crossed in front of you or avoided walking underneath a ladder? Have you ever done something that you're like, just in case, you know, in case those superstitions are true, can we just, I'll, I'll admit in the past, I have, I've, I've avoided going a direction. I've avoided going under a ladder and went around just because of those superstitions. And then later in life, I did it on, I went that way on purpose just to be like, I'm going to prove this has nothing to do, you know, with, uh, with, 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 it is illogical to think this way. Uh, so, so throw it in the comments. I'm watching the comments. Uh, you have done this. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, we're getting the comments coming in. Yeah. They, they've all done that. That, that particular fallacy is not unique to human beings. Uh, there were, there were some experiments that were done with, um, I think it was with pigeons and, uh, where, the, where they would release a food pellet at a random time. And they found that after a certain amount of time, the pigeons would be doing all kinds of crazy things. It'd be flapping that one, one would be flapping its wings. The other would be bobbing its head up and down. And reviewing the videos, they found that uh, when the food pellet was dropped, the pigeon happened to be bobbing its head up and down, and it associated that. And so it continued to bob it, and eventually another food pellet comes because it would have anyway. And so it associates that behavior. And so, but another another pigeon happened to be flapping its wings when the pellet came, and it associated that. And and, and sure enough, as it kept on it, the next food pellet came, and so on and so forth. So so uh, animals are like that too. Animals make that. That mistake and reason we expect that from animals, but God says we're not to be like the horse and mule that has no understanding, right? A, a horse you put a bit in its mouth and and you can make it go whatever way you go. God says you're not supposed to be like that. You're supposed to use your your brain. Don't just be tossed about by every wind of doctrine. Well, there is so much scripture about this, and as I've listened to your talks and and gone through your book, you do. I love how you're going. Look, our foundation for reasoning is scripture itself. And the Ultimate Proof of Creation book obviously really talks about that as a foundation. Um, where should we start? I mean, when I when I when I think of the subject illogical versus logical Christianity in the church, and I go, Doctor Lyle, go. I'm like, we're we're gonna be here for a while. <laughs> okay, there's probably a lot that you see. 
But kind of let's let's walk into this. Where where do you see most of the problems? How do we need to correctly think through this? And then um, maybe maybe then an, an introduction to logic and and kind of what exactly it is. Maybe just kind of hit some of that stuff for us and take us on a journey and help us, please help us. We need help. Well, anybody can pick up a, a, a book on logic and read it. One one of the things that makes uh, that makes this book uh, unique, I think is that it presents logic from a Christian worldview, which is which is appropriate. That's something that's been lost over time. Uh, logic is uniquely Christian, it, biblical. And I, I need to clarify what I mean by that. I'm not saying that non-Christians can't use logic. Of course they can. They can study it, and they can learn laws of logic. They can discover laws of logic. Um, Aristotle discovered a lot of the uh, principles of reasoning that we use now. He wasn't a believer, as far as we know. But um, in any case... Um, I'm saying that only Christians can account for laws of logic. Only the Christian can make sense of why laws of logic exist, why they have the properties that they do, the fact that they're they're universal, they apply in all, at all times in all situations, and that's because the Christian recognizes that laws of logic reflect the thinking of the biblical God. And because that God does not change with time, in fact, he's beyond time, right? He says, I, the Lord, do not change, therefore you sons of Jacob are not consumed. Um, God doesn't change, that means laws of logic don't change. I mean, the way we word them might change, but the principles don't change. They apply everywhere because God is omnipresent and sovereign over the entire universe. Uh, they apply at all times, all situations, and that, that links back to the character of God. And the reason that laws of logic are so useful in this universe is because it's God's universe. It's his mind that upholds all creation. And so, of course, laws of logic are going to apply to various situations. But unbelievers cannot account for the existence and properties of laws of logic. They assume them, but they don't. They can't make sense of them on their own worldview. In a chance universe, why would we have laws of logic at all? Why would they be universal? Why would they not change with time when the universe is constantly changing, stars exploding, the universe is expanding, and so on? Uh, why would we have these universal invariant principles of correct reasoning, laws, if there's no lawgiver, I, how, how do we account for that? How does that make any sense? And so the, the first part of the book is actually showing that logic is rooted in the nature and mind of God. And then it goes, it goes through and shows the biblical principles that are in play, the fact that we're supposed to pattern our thinking after God. Now, we can't think exactly like God because he's infinite and we're finite, but we are called to, on a creaturely level, be as much like God as we can be, pattern our nature in our actions and our thoughts after after his. Jim Huff is a friend of mine and he's one of our partners. He said, hey, is this presuppositionalism? And in a sense, you are starting with a presuppositional understanding to make these claims, right? That is the foundation of this. Yeah, I'd say they have the same underlying um, epistemology. Uh, yeah. Presuppositionalism is the apologetic method that's based on the um, principle that the Bible is the ultimate authority in all matters on which it touches, that it is the the only infallible rule of faith that we have. And uh, I would say that uh, laws of logic, the way I reason about laws of logic is I base them on biblical authority as well. Uh, the fact that God has revealed some of his thoughts to us is why we can think in a way that's consistent with the character of God. So they're, they're both revelational in terms of their epistemology, in terms of their theory of truth. So if this starts with God and an unbeliever, I, we have atheists watch this just to try to make fun of it. So there's going to be some atheists watching this that go, I'm reasoning just fine, and I don't believe in God, and I don't think that logic is 
a reflection of the way God thinks. I, I think it's it's things that man has invented. We created these laws. What do you say to somebody like that? Well, if we created the laws, then we could change them. I mean, we you know, there's there's speed limits on the on the roads around here. We made up those speed limits, and therefore we could change them. If human beings created laws of logic, we could change them. And, and frankly, different societies would have different laws of logic because different societies have different civil laws because civil laws are created by people. And so, you know, here in the United States, we drive on the right side of the road, but you go to Australia, you drive on the left side of the road. That's the law there. So are laws of logic like that? If you go to Australia, does the law of non-contradiction no longer apply where, hey, contradictions are true in Australia? No, laws of logic have a universal, uh, a universality to them that would not make sense if they were the creations of people uh, the fact that laws of logic don't change with time would not make sense if they were creations of people. So again, it, it doesn't make sense that human beings created laws of logic. Rather, we discovered laws of logic. So they had to already be there. We put them into words. That's fine. We formulated them. But the principles were already there, the, like the law of non-contradiction. You can't have A and not A at the same time in the same sense. That's always been true. And so it's not something that human beings invented. When I learned, you know, or began to learn, it took me a long time to kind of, for, for these thoughts to really penetrate and and take hold. But when I finally got it that, you're right, what we're using to reason, the very laws that we're using to have correct thinking are, you said, uh, universal, invariant, or unchanging, and 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 immaterial, right? They're universal. When I, when I comprehended this, I went, and, and then the conclusion is you can't get those if you don't start with the God who is universal, immaterial, and unchanging. It's not that we have these, therefore God exists. It's you have to start with, oops, sorry, you have to start with God in order to get these laws. That was, that was revelational to me. That changed everything in my, in my approach, in my understanding. I went, wow, you have to, and that's why your book does such a good, good job doing the same thing. And, um, um, the ultimate proof going through and showing if you don't start with God, you can't even have logic. You can't even have correct thinking. It's impossible. Mm -hmm. So to the unbeliever out there, you have to have the God of the Bible to even start there. Now, it's not specifically what this conversation is about. So I want to, oh, you can read his book. Uh, honestly, The Ultimate Proof of Creation is a must read for you. If that is you and you're wondering about that, you will, is that the one book that you would say go to and start with if that's their struggle? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It is, it is just so good. Okay, illogical thinking in the church. <sighs> I know you could go for a long time on this, um, but I, I really I just want to give you the floor and say, okay, logic is important. It's the way God thinks. I've even heard you say incorrect thinking is sinful. It is, yeah. Tell Ephesians us about five that. one. We're to be imitators of God. And so if we're not thinking in a way that's, that's matching up his way of thinking, then uh, we're sinning. Isaiah 55, one of my favorite uh, chapters in scripture, uh, beginning in, well, let's start with verse eight. Verse eight, uh, God states the problem. Uh, your thoughts are not my thoughts. Your ways are not my ways. That's the problem. He actually gives the solution in the previous verse. Let the wicked man forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return to the Lord and the Lord will have compassion on him. And God will abundantly pardon so the idea is if you're not thinking in a way that's consistent with, with God's thoughts, if you're not behaving in a way that's consistent with God's character, you are in sin because God created us to be image bearers. We're supposed to reflect his glory on a creaturely level. And if we're not doing that, if we're not thinking like him, or we're not behaving like him, we're wicked. 
And God tells us we need to repent. We need to turn away from that that way of thinking. I start with verse 8 because verse 8 is revealing the problem. God actually gives the solution first in verse 7. Let the the wicked man forsake his way, the unrighteous man his thoughts. So way and thoughts. Beautiful poetics uh, parallelism there, by the way. It's it's wonderful. And, um, and, And let him return to the Lord and the Lord will have compassion on him. He will abundantly pardon. And then verse eight is the explanation for why you need to turn away from your thinking and your behavior. It's because your thinking is not God's. Your behavior is not God's. And then verse, and so just to sum things up in verse nine, lest, lest the human think, well, yes, my thoughts are not like God's and my ways are not like God's, but maybe he should change to be more like me. Verse nine says, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my thoughts above your thoughts and my way, ways above your ways. And, uh, and so God's the one that's thinking properly and we, we need to line up with his thoughts. And, and some people think, well, wait a minute, if God's thinking is as high as the heavens are above the earth, how can I possibly think like him? And the way I like to picture it is you could imagine this um, distant quasar giving off enormous energy and it's shooting a light beam down on the earth, like a spotlight. Okay. Now I can't possibly ever reach that quasar. It's far above me, but I can stand in the beam. I can stand in the light. And the Bible says in God's light, we see light. And so I can, you know, I I, see the problem with the unbelievers. They're over there. They're in outer darkness. And that's, that's the analogy that the Lord often uses for unbelievers. They're groping about in darkness. They can't see anything. We need to stand in God's light. We can't reach, we can't reach God. We can't think exactly like him, but we can stand in his light. And then that that allows us to see what's going on around us. We can have illumination. That is a, that is a beautiful passage. I've often, when talking to unbelievers, I've often said, how can you even fathom that your very limited knowledge and very limited thinking skills, cognitive skills are above that of the creator of the universe. I mean, you talk about the epitome of pride to to put your thinking above God's thinking, and we need to be thinking God's thoughts. Okay, I only got a few minutes left with social media here before we let them go. Where's the church really missing it? Where where are areas, and, and you can step on my toes, you can step on anybody's toes you want, where are we missing it when it comes to really thinking God's thoughts? Where are some ways that we're just not doing a good job? I mean, where we're using the the false cause uh, um, um, fallacy in in what we do and and how we do it. I mean, you got any thoughts for us on that, or maybe some ways the church could reason better? Well, I think in terms of the w- the way we study Scripture, uh, a big part of it that could be tremendously improved if we applied logic to scripture. And that's kind of what my book understanding Genesis was all about. That goes through and talks about how to, how to, how to interpret scripture really. And people a lot of times have this emotional feeling that they should be allowed to interpret the scriptures any way they want. That's not biblical. We're supposed to think like God and, and therefore we need to interpret the scriptures according to their own rules. And yes, there are rules of how to interpret the scriptures built into the scriptures. And so that's that's what the book Understanding Genesis is all about. And I, I list a number of um, hermeneutical fallacies, and a lot of those are logical fallacies. They're just they're errors in reasoning, but applied specifically to the interpretation of the text. And what I'd like to see is, and I, and I have hope that 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 the church as a whole will improve on this. I mean, not not that every individual church will. Some will go, some we're seeing go woke, and they're just they're you know that's. God can God can deal with them, but I, I love to see the different denominations um, look at the scriptures and say, you know what, 
what our interpretation of that maybe is not so logical. Maybe we need to look at it a different way. I, I'd like to see increased uh, unity uh, in, in, in theology. And when we have differences, we can discuss those. We, we don't have to get angry at each other. We can say, well, here's how I read this verse, brother. How do you read it? And, and, and reason with each other. And if we're using logic and not just emoting, because that's the way society has gone lately. People are yes. emoting rather than reasoning. And that's crept into the church as well. Not, not as much, but it's certainly there. And certainly in the more, in, in those congregations that have gone woke, it's, there's no logical basis for that. It's all emotion. It's all emoting and feelings are notoriously unreliable. They're not, and they're, you know, God gave us emotion. They're a good thing, but they're not a replacement for using your brain and, and reasoning from the scriptures. So have you heard pastors in the pulpit give stories or analogies and then come to conclusions and gone, wait a minute, that's not what that means. That's, that doesn't equate. That's, that's false. Uh, what, what is that? False equivocation? Is that the fallacy? false analogy? Probably false analogy. Yeah. False analogy. Oh, that's yeah. its own fallacy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've had that happen. And, and the, 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 the neat thing is that the church that I'm a part of right now, uh, man, they're just solid. <laughs> we got we got great pastors and great teachers, and, and and I don't see those kind of mistakes. And the fact that they wanted me to teach a class on logic to eat, to help even more is just is just wonderful. But yeah, I, I've I've seen that. I've seen I've seen pastors uh, make mistakes in reasoning. I'm not going to point out any specific names, but but yeah, it happens. It happens, and that's why I think all human beings should should study logic. It was something that used to be done in the schools that was removed. And I think there's a reason for that. The reason it was removed from public schools is because folks like uh, Dewey and, and others wanted to have a secular humanistic uh, indoctrination in schools. And that's there. Even I, I know there are Christian teachers in public schools and they're trying to stay that I, I, I get that. But the curriculum is very secular. And in order to in, in, indoctrinate kids into secularism, you can't have you can't have students thinking for themselves. You can't have students reasoning and seeing fallacies. Uh, you got to pull that to teach things like hum humanism, evolution, for that matter, Darwinian evolution. That is not a logical system. And so you, you can't have kids that are thinking rationally and saying, but wait a minute, that, that evidence is at least as consistent with creation. No, you just you have to have students that are accept whatever is taught to them. And now we have a society that's that way for the most part. So is it the relativistic thinking that began in psychology and everything's relative that we have adopted inside the church to say, hey, what is this? What does this mean to you? What What is God? What is God? It, like when you hear the phrase, well, what is God teaching, not teaching you, but what does this mean to you? Is that problematic? Because I, I think that's something that's pretty prevalent in the church is, well, what does that mean to you? It's a, yeah, it's, it's a huge problem. That's a, you know, what, or how does this verse make you feel? <laughs> that's totally yeah. irrelevant. That's totally I, I've irrelevant. heard Sunday school teachers yeah. go around the room and say, well, what do you think of it? And, and it's almost like, well, let's get everybody's opinion of what, what, instead of saying, there is a truth here. There is an understanding here that you need to get. It doesn't matter what you think it, it means to you. It's what does it mean? Right, exactly. So the, the, the to you needs to be cut. What does it mean to you? No, get rid of that. What, what you think is irrelevant. The, the meaning of the passage is what the author intended. 
And, and the beautiful thing about scripture is almost all passages have two authors. They have a human author and a divine author, which is, which is awesome. That, that, that kind of blows my mind. There's a few sections where only God is the author, like the, the Ten Commandments, where God wrote those with his own finger. And so if we're going to get to the meaning of the passage, we need to understand the author's intention, which means we use, need to use logic and, and correct rules of hermeneutics to get to that. And that's that's where my book, Understanding Genesis, comes in. I, and I try to approach that that topic from, from a, a transcendental perspective, namely, um, by the what are the rules of correct reasoning that we would have to use by the impossibility of the contrary? Because if you take any other rule, it would make communication impossible. Uh, you know, if 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 I'm really allowed to determine the meaning of any kind of statement, then that means I can determine the meaning of your statement. So no matter what you say, I can just interpret it. Oh, thank. I'm glad you agree with me. No, I don't agree with you. Well, I'm interpreting that as sarcasm. You actually do agree with it. I mean, it just it makes communication it. impossible. So you have to get to the author's intention, and that's that's what my book Understanding Genesis is all about. And there's a lot of lot you know a lot of just logical reasoning in that book. But I think as a good primer, introduction to logic would be good just to get the the basics of reasoning. And, um, and, and you apply that in every area, apply it in every area of your life and your life will, at least in, in a cosmic sense, it'll be better. I'm not saying in every situation it will be because you, you will become frustrated with the fact that people are not reasoning rationally. Boy, did we see a lot of that in 2020 and 2021. I'm not going to go into the details on that. But I was I like, yeah, wait, wait, what, what are you thinking there? No, I get it. I get it. <laughs> details. I'm just going to point out, I saw a lot of bad reasoning. And it affected society in a very negative way. That's all I'll say on that topic. Okay. <laughs> By the way, your book, Understanding Genesis, you asked Hugh Ross to read it in a conversation over a year and a half ago. I had a conversation two months ago with Hugh Ross online, and it wasn't near as good as yours. I'll tell you, man. I, I was like, I watched yours, and I'm like, oh, that's good. And uh, so I, I, I wish I would have done better, but I'm doing the best I can right now. I told him, hey, I asked him, have you read that book that you told Dr. Lyle you said you'd read? And he said, no. I said, oh, it's only been a year and a half. So I said, I'll get you a copy. So remind me, I have to order a copy, and I'd love you to personally sign it and address it to him and maybe a little note to him. And then we will send that to him and let him read that on Understanding Genesis. That's that's great. Uh, social media, uh, Facebook, YouTube, I got to let you guys go. Those of you joining us on the podcast, so glad you guys are listening in and in, in our television stations. Uh, if you guys want the full conversation, come on over to creationtoday.org, creationtoday.org, and just become a partner. And partners get full access to, to everything we do. We'd love to have you guys over here. Um, before I let you go, I need you guys to um, be on your phone and go to biblicalscienceinstitute.com, biblicalscienceinstitute.com, go to the store, search for the, the package deal that has all of Dr. Lyle's books, and I want you to hit the order button while you're walking under a black ladder, or under a ladder holding a black cat, okay? Just prove, I'm going logical here, I'm getting rid of all the, make sure nobody's above you holding a hammer or anything, but, you know, be wise about it. But um, get this information, because we are called to be Christ followers, people who are, are thinking the way Christ thinks. And that doesn't, is it safe to say, Dr. Lyle, that doesn't come naturally? That's not, yeah, we naturally just. Sin, yeah, it's contrary to our sin nature. We, we, we have the sin nature that rebels against God. And that's the problem. That's our problem. So biblicalscienceinstitute.com, go there, walk under a ladder and hit order. And let's, let's be who God has called us to be in the church. 
I can't tell you how many skeptics and scoffers I've talked to that their examples, now God's not going to let this be an excuse, but their excuse for getting out of the church was the illogicalness, the hypocrisy, which is a form of a logical fallacy. They saw hypocrisy. You said this, you did this, you did this, you said this. They don't match up. I, 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 I've got, I'm still working on getting rid of all hypocrisy in my life. I mean, man, this is a, an issue that I, but I want to be consistent. I want to be who God has called me to be. So, um, so if you're somebody who walked away because you saw something illogical in the church, God's not going to let that be your excuse, just so you know. I, that doesn't work. I, yes, there are problems. That's not an excuse. So I want to be careful. I don't want to just beat up on the church. I, I want this to be something that encourages the church to think better. We need to think God's thoughts after him. Doc, do you think uh, in this next half we could kind of go into some of the incorrect thinking and go into some of the fallacies and and maybe help train us a little bit uh, before we all go buy your book on, on some of these problems that we need to correct in our thinking? Would that be a good direction? Yeah, sounds good. Okay. Guys on Facebook and YouTube and uh, to our podcast and television shows uh, stations, thank you guys so much for being a part of this. Next week, we've got a great conversation for you. Uh, it's, it's one that kind of goes back to discipleship and education, and God calls us to be a disciple. And if we're really going to disciple, that means we learn and then we repeat. Oops, excuse me. We're not doing a good job at the repeating part. We've got to be who God has called us to be. So my friend Mike Riddle is going to join me as we talk about that. And we're just going to go from a believer. Okay, I'm a believer. Well, you need to be a disciple. What does that really mean? And it's going to be challenging. Hope you'll join me next week live at noon on Wednesday. Thank you guys for joining us.